1: Love Talk Radio
0: Greetings and welcome my friends to tonight Relax, Let Go and Be With Charles show Tonight my friends we are Doing a very special show A little bit different from our normal shows This is part two of For the Love of Ian Ian was a beautiful loved human being husband, son, fiance, who mysteriously disappeared, and then was found dead. His friends and family are reaching out to you, my friend, to become part of that investigation. That's what the music us in. Welcome my friends to tonight's show If you were with us on last Wednesday You know that we started last Wednesday What we announced was going to be a two-part show A little bit different than our normal shows And I'll just recap for a moment And then we're going to bring on some guests tonight That are going to share what they know And what they need the reason we're making this podcast, the reason I was approached originally by Tonya to bring Ian's life and this mysterious missing and death to life, where family and friends really want justice for Ian. And there is a hashtag, Justice for Ian Powers, that has been being used by family and friends throughout this last couple of years when they shared information and through sharing information on different social medias and we shared tonight for the first time our show on instagram as well with this uh with this show and the reason they're sharing the reason they're reaching out to people is really two reasons one if you live in the inland northwest spokane washington area there are parts of this case that you may be the you may know some things maybe you know some things and you don't even know you know some things and one way to know is to go in the show's description there is a link to ian powers facebook and you can click on that link and it's a remembrance page for him right at the top of that page many parts of the investigation have been shared by his long-term friend ryan has shared on TikTok parts of the same investigation that michael's been sharing Also, just a few posts down, you will see that Michael Johnson, someone shared and posted the entire 26-page report, the first report. We're going to talk tonight a little bit about the second part of that investigation and how, for those of you that are out there that are serious and want to become part of this, we need you. We need eyes on this, and we need people in the Spokane area that may be aware on that report that's there. It's 26 pages long on the 26th page you will see a picture of someone that they're a definite person of interest. And we talked about that a little bit last time, and we'll get into that. But if you live here in the Spokane area, and you know who that person is, they may not be at all a part of the disappearance or what happened in, but they are connected to someone that was. And that's the key. There are many things that were not shared on the last show, A little bit more of that is going to be shared tonight. In between that time, both the investigator and we here at the show were reached out to by individuals that were able to confirm where the investigation seems to be leading, confirm details that we did not share on the show that they were aware of. But we still need your help. We need your help in a few ways. And Michael's going to talk about that. Tonya's going to talk about that. But the second way is if you want to help, if you want to be an investigator, there's going to be a group coming together. We've seen in in the 2020s, my friends, how many cold cases have been solved by a community of people coming together from around the world with their talents, with their time. With their ability, every time, you know, Michael and I have talked a few times, every time you put a pair of eyes on it and somebody looks through it, they might see something a little different. They might find something that was missed. There may be ways that they can work together to help bring in some of the missing pieces. So tonight's show is not just about a sit back and listen and think about it. It's about a, this is a chance to engage. This is a chance to do something that can make a difference and that can bring justice for Ian powers. And as I said, in our first show, there are some friends and family that accept that what happened to Ian may have been, or was an accidental death. The investigator and the friends and family, including his fiance and family that was with her during the search and during everything that happened, that absolutely, have many questions. And then came Michael. And Michael talked last, last week, and we'll just have him recap a bit about how he became a part of this case. And as he started to look into it just for the safety of his own wife, because she frequented some of the areas where he went missing, was later found dead, and he was concerned for her safety. He was touched when he went to a game a year later on a veterans game. And, and and thought I want to look into this And when he did He saw nothing but questions And nothing but pieces that didn't make sense And here's Ian Someone that was very loved by the people in his life Very appreciated by the people in his life And was not a person who had any sort of Disagreements or vendettas against him Just the opposite People loved him And yet, something that, to this day, makes no sense unless someone was involved, unless this was a planned attack, and that's what we're going to get into a little bit more tonight. And we would like for you to call into the show if you feel like you know some things, and you can, while you're listening to the show... You can go to that link and re- be reading the investigation and be following right along. Many of the things Michael shares, most all the things I think, are in that report. There's also a second report he's going to talk about tonight, and but we want you to participate. If you think that you know something, you can email the show, be at gmail.com. It's also right there in the show's description. You can email the show, put Ian in the subject line. And I can pass that information on the investigator. If you if you and please one of the things that like everyone that's listening to do is go to that report. Go to page 26. Look at that picture. If you know who that person is. That's a big step. If you're out there and we know now. We know no doubt that there are people out there right now that know more. And maybe you've been afraid. There has been some fear expressed just in the last week and some of the people that did step forward with things to share. You can share anonymously. We can share and get it to investigators. The investigator can then get it to the proper people so that there can be some safety for you. We know that there's people out there that know. And some, maybe you have one piece and somebody has another piece. And we also know that there are people out there. We did ask and, and, Tanya and some of the family put it out there last week, too. One reason they picked this show is they know that we are a mind-body-spirit show and that there are people out there that are spiritual that might have some gifts. There were there At the time that Ian went missing, one of the things that happened is that as on the third day, and I'm not sure if they reached out or the psychic reached out, the psychic came to him and told them to go search in a particular area. They went to search in that area. The day Ian was found, he was found in that area. And when the police got there, they were like, what are you all doing here? And they're like, we're searching. So we know that there's many ways that mind, body, spirit, our logical minds, our talents, and our spiritual gifts might come together to provide some answers. And so they reached out to those of you that might have some might have some insight in that way, too. And I know that some people did reach out and said, you know what? I was touching some ways. I'm going to do some meditating. I'll see what I get. If you'd like to call in tonight and either ask questions of the investigator, if you've been looking through things and you have some questions, six, four, six, seven, one, six, eight, zero, six, nine, six, four, six, seven, one, six, eight, zero, six, nine. And that's in the show's description as well. We're also well aware that for our show and a lot of podcasts, People listen to this show after it's live. So there even if no matter when you're listening to this tomorrow a week from now two months from now you hear this show and you want to be involved or you have something to share use the email relax let go be at com. want to be involved. What we're looking at doing is putting a group together whether there that, were whether that's going to be a Facebook group or meeting on zoom putting a group together that is going to come together and investigate and help michael and help bring enough to the authorities that they can they can change it from accidental to at least unknown and be and do a true investigation and i'm going to let's let's bring uh michael on the show
2: yes charles thank you for having Uh, me on the show this evening
0: yes and and uh we can we can bring michael on and um Adam, our producer, is running the show, and Adam, if you want to go ahead and bring on Christina, I don't know if Tonya has joined us yet or not, Um, but we can bring Christina on with us. But Michael, first for you, uh, we talked about some of the overview of things last week, and what are some of the things that are important for you that's in that first report that you want people that are listening to pay attention to.
2: Yes, uh, Charles. uh, A few things to review here. I did want to quote a philosopher by the name of Edmund Burke. And I quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. We talked last week about the different aspects of Ian Powers' case. And you have to bear with us, folks, we've got a three year completed investigation ahead of you. So we are trying to provide information to the public, which is acceptable so that we are not putting anyone in a position where they feel that we are pointing fingers at. Uh, Tonight, I will name no names to our analysis, our uh, exercise that we're going to do together. This isn't about pointing fingers. This opportunity is to state facts, to state the actual events which occurred prior to and after Ian's death uh, and move forward to hopefully gain some momentum and bring this to the attention of the authorities. As in the end, we do need the authorities more than anyone else. There are those of you listening to the show who have legal experience, may work in law firms This case went nationwide when it occurred, reaching to Good Morning America. This story now, when it is public, will go worldwide. That's how much of a story this is. Um, Charles was asking, uh, what from last week can we present to you folks? Uh, Of course, identifying this individual whom we believe sold the victim's cell phone a year and a half after his passing. The timing was very interesting. I flew to Spokane in May of 2020, uh, in the month of May for the three-day holiday weekend. There were events occurring to have that cell phone uh, involved in this case prior to my arriving. So what I'm simply saying is uh, I I came upon the idea of if I called Ian's cell phone, it would ring and presumably if it was lost here in the Bay Area, we could track it down that way. It was a simple enough idea. When I called, I got an answer. But it was from a resident of Spokane, Washington. The phone was last pinged across the street from the 49er Stadium entrance over a year and a half before. So how did this phone reach Spokane, Washington? I know a number of folks have brought to our attention the idea of recycled, that the phone line for Ian was recycled by the carrier and that this phone had that number attached to it. That's not the scenario at all, folks. If you read that report, you begin to see, wait a minute, this was literally a phone with a number already attached to it. I don't know about you, but I'm not buying someone else's cell phone with their line already attached. How much money have they had billed on that phone? It just doesn't make common sense. So that's why you folks who live in Spokane, you're familiar enough with one another, take a look at this individual. If you recognize him, send Charles an email. Trust Charles' confidentiality. If he gives you his word that nothing will be shared unless you release that, then that's fair. Uh, We are looking for, of course, someone who may have experience, and this could be in a medical examiner's office or a doctor or nurse. We see that Ian's skin was almost stained orange from his waist to the top of his head. This comes from the autopsy report. We're not embellishing, we're not... uh, making something more than what it is. This is a statement of fact. There are folks out there who have an understanding of what occurs to the body after death in water, etc. The explanation from the police were that this was insect predation. That's nonsense. If you take a, a look at the report that we've provided, Ian's pants were almost coming off of him when they located him. Uh, it, again, the answers given to us throughout this case do not match the facts that have been presented. That's what this is, an attempt to get to the truth and sift through all of the smoke and mirrors. There is a lot of deception in Ian's case in what is said, in what is portrayed. People are showing a face in the public in one aspect and coming home and becoming someone altogether different. Now. Bear with me. I understand we're all a little bit that way. This is extreme, though. This is extreme grinning with a smile and then turning around and being someone quite different.
0: I'll let you take that, Charles. Before we get deeper into that part, Tonya's with us live as well. Tonya, is there anything, you know, as we go into tonight, that that you are particularly looking for with people out there that might want to become involved might want to investigate might want to share something uh, type of professionals that we might be looking for.
3: Um, Good evening, Charles. Good evening, Michael. Uh, What I'm really Hmm. hoping to um, achieve tonight is for somebody Hmm. or even last week's show is for somebody just to be touched. Um, just to be touched enough over the loss of a brilliant young man who didn't deserve to go the way he did, and the fact that there's been no justice for him in nearly five years, and that whoever did this got away with it, and that's what it feels like. We don't want them to get away with it. um, we want people to be held accountable um, I'm more of the the spiritual part you know i I, I connect in different ways. Um, so i who, I don't know why this is tough for me tonight, Charles um
1: all right, take good time
3: but um yeah that's that's what I'm hoping is that somebody's touched you know if you're a mom of uh, of a twenty year old thirty year old young man just starting out on his life, maybe in the happiest moment he's ever been, where his life is just going right and everything's going good, and he's just smiling all the time, and then all of a sudden. You know, imagine that he's just taken. And just imagine, you know, the family left behind with no answers. And I thank God to this very day that we found him, because I think about the families that are still searching for loved ones, and I think about them all the time. I watch these missing shows all the time, because I feel so much for them, and I remember praying when he went missing. Please, God, just let him be found. I didn't want his friends and family, my family, to go through years and years of searching. I've never been able to put a fin- finality to it. Um, so at least he was found, not found how we wanted. But then we come to the, the part where it's still not, there's no finality because we still don't have the answers for him. Um, who did this? Why, why they did it? Um, and to hold them accountable. So I'm just hoping for somebody to be touched and to say, you know what, I can help with this. You know what, I'm a journalist in in California and I I know I can make a story out of this and I could get the attention of the police, um, the cold case unit down there. The police, homicide detectives up here, you know, maybe with what you heard last night, last week and maybe what you're gonna hear this week will, you know, trigger something. Or maybe maybe somebody will see that picture and say, "Yeah, you know, I know this person." So we're just really hoping for that kind of person to be touched and that kind of person to be reached. Um, and everybody, like you said, to come together as a community so we can finally put a put a period to this would be
0: great. a lot of people you have your time you might know someone that's in michael shared the medical field the legal field maybe someone that you know is a in the law enforcement and you can say you know what hey this is a real family here and this is a this is a very loved human veteran who deserves justice how can we help maybe and and you never know until you try so be willing to To just think about that and say, you know, maybe you have time. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're in between things. Maybe, you know, one of my friends who said, you know, she's thinking about helping is she recently had an injury, and so she's going to be off work for She's like, I'll be off work for three months. (laughs) I I have some time. I'd like to do something. There's ways that you can come together and help. So allow yourself, allow you, yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit, the inspiration to think about what are the ways I can help. Who do I know in my friends and family that I might share this with? And Remember, when you share it, also we have that first investigation that the entire twenty-six pages is there. Michael is going to talk about how those that really want to be involved, he's, the investigation has gone on, and he's going to be sharing a little bit more of that tonight. And then, if you'd like to, if you'd like to truly be involved and truly help in this case, there the, he can. You can email us in and say, hey, I'd like to help. I'd like to see more. Michael has the investigation. It's too large to be just an email file. People that really want to be involved and really want to help or people that are in law enforcement, in the medical field, uh, also investigators that get touched and go, you know what, let's sign on to this. Normally, you start getting a team together. A lot more happens. There is more information than just that first 26 pages, and they'll talk about some of that tonight. And that's willing to be shared as well. Um, Also joining us tonight who uh, they weren't with us uh, last week, but but she listened to the show um, and she wanted to reach out and and wants to be part of bringing justice for Ian and and it is Ian's sister Christina Christina. Are you there?
4: Yeah, I'm here. You hear me
0: and you. We can hear you. So for you, Christina, okay. you, you've you been, well, I'll let you speak for yourself. You've had some questions yourself.
4: Of course. Um, with everything that was happening and just the way I even got treated when everything was happening and trying to go down there and help and just, everything just sounded really weird. To me, it made no sense. To me, thing that was happening, and it was just more like a shock to know that he was gone.
0: And you live in 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 California, but do you live in the Bay Area yourself, or do you live in? You don't have to say where, but exactly. But you live around. I
4: live in Oregon.
0: Oh, in Oregon. Okay.
4: My, yeah, my family moved up here in '05. Okay. From so you have
0: you have lived in that area. Yes. And then for you, and again, you can you know, there for you there are things that you 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 know, heard what was talked about last week, and and you also mm-hmm. being involved with with some of the friends and family and some of the people around Ian as different things were happening and different things were presented in the report in where and, and and Michael's going to share some of that too because of things that you were hearing and experiencing you were beginning to know that some things just didn't add up or they did depending how you look at it I guess like as far as not the accidental death, but that there was there was true possibility that people were involved.
4: Right. A lot of it didn't make sense. Um, just the fact that he was tired of water. He was found in water. Like the fact that he would even leave the game while it was going just didn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> and Just a lot of the evidence just did not up, and the way people also reacted to it all as well was really sketchy.
2: That's a key, by the way.
0: I was going to say that was
2: mentioned last week. Go ahead, Michael. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a key. What Christina is mentioning, the actions of people around her and around the friends of Ian, inability to understand, put it this way, each of us reacts differently under pressure, of course under losing a loved one, a relative. We all react differently. But You don't uh, categorize or require people to react a certain way. You accept how they react, and you're there to comfort. But some of the reaction, Charles, from people, it, it, I mentioned it last week, it's bizarre bizarro world. Uh, you, you see in so many missing cases, missing people cases, the camaraderie, the unifying uh, community that comes together, the effort to put flyers out, have shirts made, have buttons put together, people wanting to help. And in Ian's case, shockingly, the response was the opposite. And there are other... Situations which occurred with specific people that are just unexplainable. And so when we make an attempt to review and understand, especially tonight, it will begin to open up the eyes of your audience to say, wait a minute here. Uh, I've known of cases like this, and what I'm seeing is not following a path of, of care, of love, all of the things that you come to expect. It begins to smell of something different, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Christina, but you brought out a very important part of this investigation.
4: No, no, you're good.
2: Yeah, and Michael,
0: so let's do that tonight. We talked about that for everyone listening, for those out there trying to follow the investigation. You know, and we and we talked about the basic parts last week all the way up to when he was found and then you let's let's take everybody through okay so this is an investigation what are you know here are the things that we're going to look at and they're either fit or they don't so take us through that with this investigation and part of the things that have part of what we've shared but then part of what has grown from the second investigation in looking at motive, and looking at possibility, and probability, and how that has unfolded. And kind of take yeah. everybody through that. Yes,
2: and I'll preface tonight's show by stating, I'm really going to focus on the stated facts, the facts from the autopsy report the remarks uh, made about observations by people, the interviews and conversations. I really want to focus on those because each of us has our own ideas, our own perceptions, our own understanding of the world around us. And we, as an individual and a species, uh, have a tendency to embellish, to um, not necessarily fabricate, but look at things through our own eyes. So tonight, I'd like to focus on the results, again, of the autopsy report of the cases of the people that we've spoken to and let you as an audience come to a decision on your own. I've spoken of smoke and mirrors. Ian's case, as I say, including Ian, you cannot necessarily take people at their words. You have to understand what is going on around, what's transpiring. We spoke last week about Ian's unusual behavior himself at the game. Leaving the game as he did, once you read that first report, you'll see that Ian walked close to four and a half miles within 30 minutes inside of the 49ers stadium. Very unusual. His text messages to Chelsea, again, garbled, almost as if he was under the influence of something. The autopsy report tells you and I that he did have alcohol in his system, but literally nothing else. He was not someone to take drugs or illegal uh, things like that. Uh, he, he did drink, it was a football game, and at his age, I would have been doing the same thing. But his actions right. are what we have to focus on. He did end up walking on his own two feet to the parking lot across the street from the stadium. Now, the car that they drove up in was one block away so Ian was at least in the direction headed towards his car his phone was either turned off or power went off in the middle of a parking lot with no lighting no surveillance and most importantly no security it's incredible because we've spoken about how the 49er stadium parking lot probably had to close to over 100 authority figures there so the people I'll catch myself. Uh, Ian was confirmed to be in that lot, and then a week later, five days later, we find his body literally in the opposite direction, over four and a half miles away. Um, So we have to take that and understand there's a lot of unusual behavior, and the end result is the most perplexing of all. Ian suffered from aquaphobia. Personally, I have a fear of heights. I'm not going to the top of any roof and looking over the side, folks. It isn't going to happen. So you can right. state unequivocally, Ian did not purposely jump into the water. No. We spoke last week of also, and don't let me interrupt you, Charles, if you have something to say, please. We did speak no. last week about conversation that I had with the people who worked the waters where Ian's body was found. These are fishermen. They're out there daily. Uh, and they are the ones who are knowledgeable of those waters. And unequivocally, each individual I spoke to repeated the same thing. Ian's body was dropped from the sky where his body was located, or his body was taken out there in, in any type of fishing boat and dropped there as well. There was no body or cadaver seen drifting along the water or smelled by anyone, and no birds feeding on the body as well. There are so many things that lead up to Ian being found where he was, and one of the most perplexing is the condition of Ian's red and gold 49er shoes. We can actually see them in the picture in the report. It was the condition of those shoes which caught the attention of the fishermen who found Ian's body. Had his shoes not been so clean or muddied, they might not have found his his body, but the Autopsy report states: mud-stained pants, mud-stained socks, and no mention of mud on the shoes whatsoever. For someone who jumped in the water willingly and drowned, folks, that don't make sense. If, uh, again, I hope I'm not interrupting you, your train of thought, Charlie. No,
0: no, no. And then, so it, it keep, so it keep going. So what? So yeah, we know that. And then yeah. what are the things as the investigation has grown that begin to, you know, there were things that happened around going to that game. Yes. There were things that were and happening within his own family and his, he had, you know, let's talk about that a little bit.
2: This is where things become a little tight for us, folks. Bear with us because, again, the idea here is not to name names or make accusations, or point fingers. We're simply, you and I, trying to understand what was occurring in this young man's life at the time of his passing. So, the football game itself was on a Monday night. I believe that was the 12th of... Bear with me. November 12th, 2018. Okay. One week prior to the football game, One week prior to leaving with his girlfriend and her two boys, Ian shared a birthday dinner with his mother and Ian's stepfather in a local Spokane restaurant. The idea was to celebrate her birthday. Chelsea, for the first time in her relationship with Ian, was told not to attend the dinner. It isn't anything she did or said. Ian specifically asked if she could not attend this particular meal. He had something to discuss, and it was something he wanted to discuss with them. But during that dinner, Ian spent the entire time texting Chelsea. She was out with her two boys. They figured they would do something that evening together. And the response from Ian was consistently the same. My parents are constantly asking about what my intentions are with you, Chelsea. Are we going to get married? Where will we stay? What the impact would be on his parents' life once Ian was married. You have to understand, Ian was a giving soul in so many ways. Uh, he, I tracked down some of the men in his troop, and when they contacted him for help and assistance, perhaps can you send me a couple of bucks, Ian would be responsive that way. He was always that way with his parents. But this particular evening seemed unusual, even by Ian's remarks. He really couldn't understand why they kept wanting to harp on the same topic. Uh, It was unusual. What we gleaned from that conversation was Ian had relayed to his parents that he had intentions of marrying Chelsea, of adopting her boys as his own, and to begin a new life with her as and them as his new family. His life was going to change. Therefore, everyone in his life would have to adjust to that change. And this was confirmed by messages sent back and forth to Chelsea. And Charles, you and I spoke So he shared... Yeah.
0: So he shared with family his intentions. and, And, again, not knowing who or why, you know, or not but also realizing that then there were family members that were happy about that news and there were family members that did not like that news at all. Is that fair?
2: That's a fair statement to make. And you and I have spoken of how you have uh, conducted weddings yourself and run into a very same uh, response that, one of the happiest days in someone's life is being turned around by in the case that you and I spoke of relatives who had their own agenda is the only thing I can yes. think of. Yeah. I once
0: had a wedding where where the mother, of the bride, when the wedding was over, I literally came up to me and said, was that real? Are they really we went married? And when I said yes, she went off and her husband sent her away and made her leave because she was acting so poorly. So. Yes, there can be people that react poorly, and it's important to note that several different people know that this inf- that that Ian had shared this information and his intentions with his family, and several different people confirmed that there were people that were unhappy about that for a variety of reasons.
2: And you have to ask Charles why. Let me put it to you this way. You and I have never met Charles. So we are engaging one another according to the conversation and interactions that we have. If we meet one another face-to-face, we may become friends, or we may part and say that was good enough. But at least we're making an attempt to know one another. In Ian's case, with Chelsea, his girlfriend, Chelsea had been a part of Ian's life for a long time. Their relationship sprung as a result of that close friendship. Uh, And you have to ask yourself, or if you've been in a situation, there are reasons why we like or dislike. Um, What was complexing about Ian's case was why in this particular case would the response from the parents to this notification of engagement be, uh, the response be so vindictive? It's one thing to say I don't like a person. It's another thing to begin name-calling them, begin to really degrade them. And I thought to myself, w- what's going on here? Is one person Republican and the other Democrat? Is that what we're talking about? It's not even that. This was, mm-hmm. this was a, sh- a true disdain, disgust. It, there was no joy in that conversation that Ian had with his parents that night. They were livid against the idea. Now, I want to preface this again by saying this is just a statement of what occurred. We've got documentation for this, so we are comfortable that these are the conversations which were had. Christina is on the call with us, the podcast with us tonight. She is very brave in coming on the podcast this evening. What we understand from this case, there are very dangerous people involved in Ian's homicide case. We don't believe this was an accident. And the the facts and the results of the investigation reinforce our beliefs. What you do in an investigation is follow the evidence. You don't manufacture, you don't interpret, you follow where the evidence leads you. And if it goes against what you thought in the first place, then you need to reanalyze what you're thinking. So it's up to you, Christina, if you are willing to share with the public the remarks made by your parents during the week after that birthday dinner and the day that Ian left for San Jose, Santa Clara.
4: I'm absolutely fine with it.
2: Um, I'm...
4: Baffled that a human being could even think that of someone else, Um, especially if your own child is in love with that person, you would be more accepting. You'd think you'd be more accepting um, instead of the choice words that my mother decided to call her. Um, Were you living
2: in Spokane at that time?
4: Uh no. um, I was. So the conversations usually, you had were over the phone. Yes. Um. I I usually call my mom and vent about my day, and she decided to go off on how my brother was planning on marrying her and how she was not happy
2: with any of it. And, again, I know it's a challenge, Christina, but would you feel comfortable sharing exactly what was said? Okay. Um,
4: Excuse me for the language. Um, Called her a bitch. Um, How dare that bitch take my son from me? Um, One of the keys, like, in my head that was like, whoa, what the hell, what the hell's going on? <laughs> um, was saying what a horrible mother would leave her kids with people she don't know and just, just kept going on and on and on about it. And I was just baffled because the- you should be allowed to trust family with your kids and not worry. But it was just
2: was a single conversation on one day or multiple days.
4: It went on for several weeks. Even after Ian passing, it got even worse after Ian was gone. But that whole entire week, it was just nothing about just bad mouthing Chelsea.
2: I can't find that Chelsea and your mother really spent much of any time together.
4: Um, there's were a few times um from what I know that she had came over with Ian with the boys and that's probably about the most interaction they've got that I've gathered.
0: And it and it's thank important you. to note that publicly. Yeah, thank you. That was And publicly shared on Ian's remembrance page was what I interpreted as as praise for Chelsea and the boys and and acknowledgement about how much Ian really loved those boys from those same people. But that's what we talk about, public versus private conversations.
2: Um, And, and, And that's important to know, Charles.
0: And with you in the second investigation do you again you just begin following the facts and the facts started off with what didn't add up then you came up to Spokane and that's where part of the second investigation comes in too so kind of lead the listeners through okay here here are, you know if it's not accidental death then here here are, you know The motives that we would look for or what we would expect and here's other things that we can say fit and here's the things that we can say don't
2: exactly and as charles charles mentioned earlier uh, the second report on Ian's investigation is available for you if you contact charles by phone or email we will find a way to get the report to you this is as real as it gets folks this is not a report that we are going to hand out without some form of vetting if you are accepting this second report for review it's with the understanding that you want to become involved this isn't easy reading this isn't pleasant but this is a movement to get justice for young man so i i did want to put that out there that if you are interested in moving forward with understanding this report in its entirety then the second report is the one where we we pulled no punches. Where well, we came right out and stated what occurred. So, I spoke of my on, flight course. to. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I spoke of my sure flight you. to. Go ahead. Uh, Spokane in the Memorial Day weekend. The intention was I had pre- prepared this first report, wanted to hand it to the friends and family of, of Ian, and get their response, get their reaction, see what they could offer as additional information or even hand off some responsibilities to them to pick up because they live in that region they had opportunity to again visit police departments with that picture of the person of interest etc but things t- turned out a lot differently than i expected folks i was quite green at the time and unknowing of what i was stepping into um, as it turns out three and a half years into the investigation, I was making contact with the very people who had orchestrated Ian's homicide. Unwittingly, unknowingly, but they were able to understand who I was and they were quite interested in why I was there. Uh, I have a voicemail message from an individual, to this day, stands the hair on the back of my neck. it is, again, in, uh, an attempt to intimidate, to frustrate, to make it known that threats can be followed up on. And when you're someone who's coming into something new like this, I left Spokane in a bit of post-traumatic stress syndrome, to be honest with you. I realized that my visit to Spokane had come up with so much more in the ideas of understanding the case in its entirety. Uh, that visit is actually what has spurred me on to reach this point where I am fully committed to being involved in this attempt for justice on Ian's part. So, um, the I, this is a circumstantial case. There is no DNA, there's no surveillance cameras, Uh, There is nothing that can be pulled in that way. Even Ian's body was cremated immediately upon delivery to Spokane. Something, by the way, friends and family of Ian did not want. Ian himself did not want. So we'll leave that with you to interpret as your own. But it was, again, that trip to Spokane which spurred me on to thinking, okay, I understand that the police have designated this as an accidental death. What if I, as an amateur investigator, pursue this as a homicide? What if I begin to search and ask questions along those lines? One of the most amazing things I found was the location where Ian's body was dropped. This is Alviso, California, the southern tip of the bay in Northern California. Uh, this region can be desolate in the middle of the night. It is a sanctuary uh, for animals. So you are not allowed on that property after a certain time. But I needed to understand the region where it, his body was placed to begin to come up with some type of understanding of how his body reached there. Well, as it turns out, there is a deserted dock represented from a yacht club right there in the area where Ian's body was located. Now, follow along with me here. The understanding is that Ian passed away the night that he went missing. Why do we think this? Again, the results of the autopsy report. They showed the levels of alcohol in his system five days after he went missing. Had Ian been alive one or two days, those levels of alcohol would be completely reduced. So we're quite confident in the timing that this occurred. But if you're in that position where you are commissioned to kidnap, to murder, and to drop the body of a cadaver, you need assistance. And this dock in Alviso, this deserted dock, is the perfect opportunity. Why do I say that? The dock itself has automatic surveillance cameras, auto lighting in response to activity, and you need a keypad to get through the gating. So there's an attempt to really secure that location. The only person who could really make an effect or monitor those systems is the port captain is what they call him. This individual is assigned to manage, to maintain, and to be entrusted with the ability to monitor this surveillance system. The individual who was deemed to have that is a local bait and tackle store owner. He's been, he and his family have owned that business for decades. When I visited with him the first time, it seemed common sense to speak with someone who worked in that region in the water area. This individual, the store owner was not, running the store at that time when I visited, his friend was there. And the friend remembered the story that I mentioned to him about Ian and specifically notified me that he as a friend would help run the business in the store owner's absence, and he knew for a fact that the store owner was working that day and that week, actually. When I finally did meet the store owner, the first remark from him was, I wasn't working that day or that week one red flag this individual runs and maintains that dock area it is less than 200 steps from the door of his business what i'm simply trying to do folks and again if you review that second report is give you pictures and walk you through the region that we are talking about so you understand the layout so it becomes a little more of, uh, of an ability for you to really relay and understand, wait a minute, if, if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you've got a boat already moored or tied to the dock, it was one mile to where his body was found. In the middle of the night in Alviso, folks, it is desolate. There is nobody there. That is the opportunity to do this type of activity. Remember what we said last week. The police in Alviso tell you and I, the, the public, the identities of the bodies they find in those waters are gang members or victims of gang violence. I keep hearing that word gang. So one of the approaches I took to Ian's case was, is there anyone in Ian's life that his company, his friends, the military, who were members of a gang in the northern Bay area, because such a person may have knowledge or involvement in this type of body disposal region. As it turned out, yes, there is a member of Ian's family who ran for decades in a gang in the East Bay. Go ahead, Charles.
0: And, and, you, and, and motives. Yes. Talk to us about if what? you're, you're going to see it as a homicide, What what would the motives be and what motives fit and what don't in this case?
2: Exactly. And here's where we'll allow your listening audience to interpret and to make your own decisions. Motive means opportunity. If Ian's passing was not an accident, if it was indeed a concerted effort of homicide, then four years later, they've accomplished their attempt. They've been successful up to this point. But all of that unravels as we begin to display the light of justice upon these people. These are cockroaches. They will scatter under the light of justice. Let's review motive, means, and opportunity. So, your audience are the students tonight in a law in a law class. Charles, you and I, Christina, Tanya, we are the professors. We are simply asking the students to review the common uh, three and the common motive for homicide. Let's start with emotion. Love, lust, obsession, hate, revenge, envy. Envy. Here So I will state what I understand. Christina, if you have additional knowledge, that would be helpful as well. But as far as love, lust, obsession, hate, revenge, there are no people I have found in Ian's life who displayed these emotions towards him. Uh, One of the people, uh, his name I believe is Tom, was the ex-husband of Chelsea. He is the father of her boys. Would he be someone that would be considered as having a motive to kill Ian for love, lust, obsession, hate, or revenge. Not likely. Four years later, Tom is nowhere to be found, and Chelsea has moved on with her life with a new young man. So that motive doesn't quite seem to apply to Ian's case, where his life was taken and he was erased so quickly and easily. Let's move on to another motive, child custody. Avoid paying alimony. Well Ian wasn't married. He didn't have prior relationships or have children that way. Quite the opposite. Ian and correct me if I'm wrong, had talked to Chelsea about actually adopting the boys even prior to their marriage. I believe approached the boys. Go ahead, please. Was that Tonya. you, Tom hi, hi. or
4: Christina? I completely agree. Yeah, he. From what I got from talking to Chelsea and and the family, that he adored the boys, raised them, and took care of them like his own. And yeah, I I was actually oh, okay. excited when I heard the news that he was going to marry Chelsea because. Then I was like, oh, I get a new sister. I I get new family. You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: to be a part of.
0: Go ahead, Tonya.
3: So um, just a couple of things. Yeah, Ian was totally committed. Once they moved their relationship beyond best friends and into um, partners for life, he was completely committed. That's the kind of person he was. He didn't play games, emotional games with people. He was not going to mess with my grandson's emotions like that. Either he was fully going to commit go all the way um, into this family was now going to be his family, or he wasn't going to go there at all. So, and, and the fact uh, with TK, Tom, we call him TK, um, him and Ian were actually really best friends. They were great friends. Um, before um, Ian and Chelsea ended up moving their relationship to a different level, uh, TK and, and Ian used to hang out all the time, go to football games together, travel, go to Vegas I mean, they just got along so well. When they told TK that, you know, their relationship had evolved, TK was excited. He was happy for them. He gave Ian a big hug and said, you know, because he knew his boys were in good hands. You know, he didn't have to worry about his sons with Ian. He knew what kind of person Ian was. They were perfectly fine on that. So, yeah, that that would not have been a motive at all, uh, anything to do with TK. Um, and then as for his love for Chelsea and the boys, um, he would never have been bringing up marriage and commitment and adopting and and putting it all together as a family um, unless he was absolutely ready to do that. And I think that may have been part of his downfall, unfortunately. And one other thing about the statement from uh, the mom, um, Ian wasn't my son, but he was like my son. And for her, her to just the thing is chelsea and ian had been involved in each other's life since they were teenagers it's not as if the family didn't know chelsea prior right. to him ending up with chelsea he dated my niece for a couple of years so you know we were all intertwined like that it's like yeah and and chelsea's just a good-hearted hard-working loving mother and for her to say what kind of mother she's the best mother i've ever known so for them to say, for her to say that about her was just showing, was telling more about the insides of that person than about my daughter. So yeah, yeah. Right. And then the way she acted on the way home when we were driving, uh, one other thing: Ian was actually cremated in California. We wanted to bring him home, so we could right. have a viewing, so that the people could say goodbye. She insisted on that is not happening. You're not married to him yet, Chelsea. That was right. No, my mom.
4: My mom told me that as well, and she was very nasty about the whole thing. She was telling me that his body was so bloated. Why would you want to have an open casket? Just kept going on and on about it, and I was That's just like, true, "Well, there's though. nothing I can do."
3: Chelsea begged her, begged her, please. Was, people need to see him I need to see him one last no she had no heart none this no, was the it <laughs> and it was so cold her tone I was like I mean I'd only met her a few times over the years but you know I'd never really talked to her or anything or had any interaction um, but I knew how Ian felt so for that coldness to come across over that phone call was just like oh my god goodness, how can somebody be so cold? And that's a fact. <laughs> that is an absolute fact. Yeah. That's how she reacted.
4: I don't understand why my mom became like that. And then it's just like I had to rethink how how does she treat me? And then I'm like, well, it all adds up. She, she just doesn't care about any of us. My mom told me that I was for food stamps. She told me that my sister was an accident and she only loved Ian. So look how that ended up. That's
3: yeah, that's because yeah. Ian did everything for her, right? Until he started right. setting the boundaries and setting the lines up and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then she depended on your mom, right? To pay her rent. From what I understand, I may be wrong. Um, right. So when he stopped the money, and stopped taking them because he had such a big heart he couldn't stand to see his parents on the street so he would bring them under his roof and he just got tired of doing that and then the final the final nail in the coffin was going to be him marrying and having a family she knew mm-hmm. at that point she was going to be completely out of it there was going to be never a chance for Ian to take care of her anymore right and she she's been
4: begging me to move up there she wants me to move up there and take care of her
2: and I won't uh-uh. do it. No, don't do that. And a key piece uh-uh. of information, Charles, is the change of Ian's beneficiaries of his life insurance. That would occur with Chelsea accepting marriage. She and the boys would become the new beneficiaries recipient of his military life insurance policy. That policy, I believe, was, began at 250000 And doubled in value because of Ian's designation as an accidental death.
0: That's also very interesting. And
2: we were talking about motive means an opportunity. Yes. Um, Yes. The key motive that the police tell the public in homicides is money. The number one driving force, the number one driving motive in homicides. We won't mention names. We won't point fingers. Just a statement of fact that the beneficiaries of Ian's life insurance were his parents. And by the way, Ian fought that with the military. He did not want his parents to receive a lump sum payment. And this is documented by contacting the Army Uh, insurance division as well so this isn't anything made up Ian fought to have an arbitrator provide his parents a stipend a portion of the inheritance monthly instead of the entire amount because he felt that they were irresponsible with money and that it would be spent and gone within three or four years and he was right
0: Now, there was potentially other monies as well, right? There was other things going on that 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 were maybe Christina knows about that, maybe Tonya, that there were some other monies that he was potentially going to be inheriting. Is that true? From
4: his dad's family, um, come to find out he was um, his dad's family wasn't so kind to him and he never received that money either. Um, he, he went over there thinking that he was going to get it and be, you know, welcomed into the family. And it was false. He was from what I got told was he was very rudely talked to by the family and rushed out of there. So, can I, can I ask who told yeah. you that? Cause
3: that's, that's opposite of what I've heard.
0: What did you hear
4: uh, Go ahead. I got told by, by my mom.
3: Okay. So what happened was in April of 2018, his grandmother, who lived in the Bay Area, his dad had passed away when he was 16. His grandma, his dad's mom, lived in the Bay Area. She had a home that was paid for down there. And you know what California houses go for. Right. And Ian was I, her I only. To
4: visit grandma all the time.
3: Yeah. Ian's grandma? Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So what I was told or what I understand is that um, there were some other family members who were trying to claim part of the inheritance, but Ian was the main one because he was direct lying down um, and that once he got that inheritance, the plan was they were going to get married and buy a home and he was going to go to college and all of that was going to start. I mean, that was going to. So he was in the middle of trying to work that out. And, and wasn't there um, – are you saying that she got this information because she contacted them and, and tried to get some of the um, money from the estate sent to them in lieu of Ian um, since he was no longer
4: here? That was after um, he passed. She tried to do that through trying to get the laptop from, she even tried to use me to go to Chelsea to get the laptop. Uh, what, what I understand is he, he tried, he even, I guess from when he was deployed, he was deployed in Germany from what I got told and he went and visited them over there and I guess they were not so happy that he was there. Mm. Um,
3: Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Right, yeah, I don't know anything that Chelsea would probably know more about that. Um, So, but... Yeah, I didn't didn't know that.
0: Go ahead. But you had shared, Christine, too, that until after his death, as far as your mom knew, he probably was still getting that. It was after the death and through the computer and emails or different things that she discovered that wasn't going to happen.
4: Right. Um, Yeah, no, She swore up and down, he was going to get that money. And she was trying to figure out very nasty. Like, I don't even know, like when she was on the phone, like how bad and shaking, she was yelling at me over the phone, trying to get me to get this information. And I'm like, I don't know what, you you know, I'm not a part of this mom. Like, (laughs) why me? And it was just, I was just baffled money makes people do the most stupidest things.
3: Yeah, it really does. Can
4: I ask you something about
3: that? When she wanted you to come up to Spokane and go to Chelsea's and try to get his laptop, um, did she tell you how to go about doing it? Did she, like, have a plan? Like, were you supposed to go in there and and sneak it out or, I mean,
4: what did she want? She's like, you need to get really close to Chelsea. And, and try to get it to where you can go over there and, and try to just take it when she's not looking. And I'm like, mom, I'm not going to do that. Like,
1: oh my gosh.
4: that's not, that's my, not my job. We're supposed you're not to be the first and only person. And not... Oh, huh?
3: you're not the first and only person. She tried to get to take things from the house. Um, oh. so as a family. So just to let you know that, Um, I didn't know she tried to do it to you, too. Um, That's just disgusting. And then there was another incident, Michael. I don't know whether um, we were planning on talking about this yet regarding the mail.
2: Yes, I was just looking at the file number. So, Charles, Chelsea noticed that her mail was not arriving at her home. She would search every day after returning home with the boys. And I'm not saying that her PG&E bill was missing or her telephone bill was missing. She got nothing. No advertisements, no political advertisements, no mail, zero. She goes to the local post office, and Chelsea was told that Ian Powers had just completed a change of address form to have his mail sent to his parents' house. There's only one problem. Ian had been dead for two weeks. Someone forged a change of address form to have Chelsea's mail, Ian's mail, directed to his parents. Isn't that interesting? Perhaps you gain access to any legal documents, documents regarding inheritance.
0: Into and, the computer
2: mm-hmm. the interesting part to all of that, Charles was when Chelsea did a little detective work herself. She left her home and monitored who was driving back and forth and Ian's mother arrived at Chelsea's home, driven by her own mother, and Chelsea watched as this woman stole the mail prior to mm-hmm. Uh, the change. The change of address form occurring. Again, what another piece of the puzzle which begins to fill in an area and as confusing as it is for us, these are documented actions done by these people. No one is fabricating, no one is pointing fingers, we're just stating simple facts which occurred. There's one other interesting thing, Charles, to bring to your attention and your audience. Christina, this will involve you. Okay. The meeting of the seller and buyer of Ian's cell phone occurred on Sunday, April 27, 2020. The buyer chatted with the seller through an app called OfferUp. It's a local app for you folks in Spokane. They made arrangements to meet at the parking lot. The buyer said the name of the seller of the phone, identified himself as Daniel. This location was a parking lot across from Global Credit Union in Spokane, Washington. We talked about last week how the buyer brought his wife along in the passenger seat, and she took a bunch of pictures of this person of interest and their license plate because they were concerned the phone was stolen and they didn't want to be the ones convicted. The license plate uh, of the seller doesn't exist. But then Christina mentioned to me how she remembered something about offer up. And Christina, I'll let you explain. Yeah.
4: Um, my mom was talking to me um about me going up there and taking care of grandma because her heart wasn't doing good. And um, I remember Donnie asking my mom, hey, where where could I sell something? He didn't say what exactly. And I remember telling my mom, you know, there's this app called OfferUp. It, it's discreet, you know. It's pretty cool. People sell stuff on it all the time. And, yeah, she told Donnie, and um, when I was supposed to go up there to help grandma, um, I told her that I could, you know, I could help them figure out the app and everything. Um, But my mom was able to, I guess, figure it out and do it, obviously. Um, But, yeah, my mind that he did that to my brother's phone, he had it. And he threatened me when I did finally get up there to take care of grandma. He had the phone in his hand and he said, if you, you know, say anything to anybody about this, I'm going to make you disappear too.
2: Oh my gosh. You didn't quite understand what he meant at that time, but it begins no, to ring something for you now.
4: No, I had no idea what, what, what was going on i kind of laughed it off honestly
0: hmm. and then and, and you became one of a as i understand it and you can correct me if i'm wrong michael but there was more than one person that had said that this phone was in certain person's hands
2: that is correct
0: Python. And what's the, I know you had another piece too. Yes. I um, want to
3: emphasize something about the phone real quick, guys. So yes, do. When I talked to the investigative person, the investigative unit with the medical examiner's office, um, I made them go over with me exactly what Ian was found with. Okay? What was missing yes. from Ian that he had on him when he left? when he was at the game, the only two items that he did not have on him that he had on him when he went missing were his car keys and his cell phone. So if this phone ends up up here in Spokane in somebody else's hands and it's Ian's phone and it wasn't found on him, how the heck did they get it? Yeah. Right. I, I think that's the that's
0: only Yeah. The only way is if somebody that was involved brought it to them or somebody, I mean, you have to have a connection of involvement to have that in your hand.
2: And the phone was sold for $400, and the timing was important, Charles. This was at the beginning of COVID. You folks in the state of Washington were under shelter-in-place longer than any state in the 50. So the impacts, the economical impacts, to you folks, stretch the longest of anyone. And this phone, sold for $400, smells, this entire case smells of greed, Charles. If money is the motive for Ian's, then everything that happens after that also reflects that approach. Greed. Greed, the green sin, that phone was sold by that person wanting the money and feeling that simply erasing the information would erase the phone altogether, and that didn't happen. Wow. This is where I wanted to think? finish up. Go up ahead, Charles.
0: Yes. No, I was going to say, go ahead. I wanted to, to finish I, up I,
2: with motive, means, and opportunity. And again, I haven't mentioned a single name tonight. I won't do that. We are simply stating common sense, logic, and people's experiences. We're not putting our opinion into this. Our motive, as we determined of a group, came down to money. It's the only motive which matches the murder of Ian Powers. It's the only thing that makes sense. So let's move on to means. The ability to carry out your motive. This means, no pun intended, that someone in an, in an ability anticipating a large sum of money to come can call on a favor for people that they have associated with in the past with the understanding that, that would there would be payment at some point. If you've known people for 20, 30, 40 years, You have a trust involved in them. It's mutual. This brings us to opportunity. Let's revisit Alviso, how the police tell us that the identities of the bodies found in those waters are gang members or victims of gang violence. They are intentionally putting those bodies to be found. They're not burying them. They're not putting them in concrete. They're not incinerating them. It's a statement and Ian's body found in that location would lead the authorities to follow the same practice that they had in that region, another accidental death in these waters. David Politis had responded to uh, Tanya's request to identify the, the, the case. David Politis is a former San Jose police officer, and in his own analysis, He stated on his show, there's always been something unusual about Alviso. There's always been something bizarre about these bodies all having something to do with a gang. So my investigation led to asking that question then. Was there anybody in Ian's life at the time of his passing who had had current or prior experiences with gangs? And there is one person that is the person who received Ian's insurance payout. They have a long history of running with a gang in the East Bay Concord area. If this is true, then this individual has maintained contact with his gang brothers, perhaps doing business. Again, I'm not pointing fingers, but this is the opportunity that we were talking about. This disposal of bodies seems to be something occurring on a regular basis in Alviso and is, uh, is being handled by people who have done this time and time again. This murder of Ian was planned and orchestrated according to a followed procedure. This isn't someone dreaming something up or coming up with an idea on the fly. There needs to be a number of areas which are covered, the ability to provide a rental boat, the ability to monitor and maintain that dock. It's a key location in Ian's passing because it offers access directly to where his body was found. One of the things that Tanya and others have brought to the attention of was the salt water in Ian's lungs. There is a point where fresh water and salt water meet It's called an estuary. The salt water doesn't go or blend into the clear water, and the clear water doesn't blend into the salt water. They meet one another at a point, a region. That point estuary in Alviso is miles north of where Ian's body was found. So his drowning by salt water was in a way other than being drowned in the waters of Alviso itself.
0: So we talked claimed. about motive
2: yeah. means – and sorry, Charles, I don't mean to talk over.
0: It's that I said keyword that's what...
2: opportunity that someone with gang ties who has already perhaps been involved in one of these body disposal processes have successfully pulled off the homicide of Ian four years later. But all it takes, folks, is what they call gun shoe detective. Getting out, talking to people on the phone, taking pictures, documenting, as we talked about, this isn't a dateline case of fingerprints and, and, and footprints. This is about um, analyzing what we call victimology, the study of victims of crime and the effects on them and the people around them, an analysis of the events occurring prior and after that person's passing. We're not trying to be accusatory here, Charles. That's not the point. But to provide truth and evidence as we have found it to your audience to allow them to make the decision. You may get emails or phone calls from people saying, but you haven't considered this or you didn't look in that region. Certainly there is more investigation to occur. But coming into this of clear mind When I joined into this pursuit for justice, I, again, allowed the the evidence to speak for me. I ran a background check on people, by the way, $15, and you can find out my history of living in the Bay Area. Uh, And what I found as associates of this prime person of interest are terrifying. Christina recognizes the name Michael Reynolds a very close associate of the individual that we're talking about. Charles, this individual's rap sheet is longer than my report, including robbery of dangerous weapons, felony conspiracy, torture and willful abuse of a child, resisting arrest, receiving stolen firearms. It goes on and on. This is only one associate of a person I've identified as having the sole motive for ending Ian's life. This is serious.
3: Hey Michael, real quick about that guy. Mm-hmm. So, um Ian was getting weird calls from a uh, prison right around this time. Do you know if he was incarcerated at that time?
2: Because he had a block sure. on right,
3: right? He had to block. Uh,
2: yes. And I I, I've heard about what you're talking about these phone calls coming from that institution, only they could perhaps provide us an explanation. I can't tell you if that it's this particular individual.
3: So you can't see what, what years he was incarcerated?
2: That, that can be done, but this is where we're hoping to reach out to folks as we've asked for, Tanya. Those people okay. who are involved with the authorities in Spokane or at that jail, or know of people who can assist us in that region. I'm not quite sure where to go to search for that information other than calling the jail itself.
3: Okay, yeah. Yeah, Chelsea might know more about that. Um, I'll have to text her and ask her later. Um, Ryan just brought that up because I had completely kind of spaced that off and forgot about that. See, there's so many little things that you have to keep track of that are involved in this situation. And that was just one of the weird things that was going on around the time. And and so then before,
0: his, So before yeah, he ahead. left, before he left, he was getting these calls?
3: Yeah, that was right before they left, right, Ryan? I don't know. Wasn't that what she said? I really need to clarify with Chelsea, but we believe it was right around that time, yeah, right? Maybe the summer of or the fall, because they left in November. But Ryan yeah. just remembers... Hey, that, you know, he had to block that number because that, that prison number, somebody from prison kept calling him. And I don't think, if he knew who it was, he would have told Charles. But I don't know, there was something weird about it. There's something weird. We don't know all the answers. We just remember that
2: part.
0: So something else maybe to look into.
2: And you know, Charles, there's been a constant cloud over this case, over what is called the family. Now, Bear with me on this one, and Tanya, you came close last week to talking about it, but we are going to talk about an individual. This was an uncle who was the face of the story on television. If you tuned in, this uncle would be the one speaking on behalf of Ian, and as a family member, someone who had gone with Ian to the 49er football games, I kind of had a certain expectation of how he might respond, so I sent him a Facebook Notice, just simply stating, FYI, justice is coming in Ian Powers' homicide case. His response to our conversations back and forth was accusing Chelsea or her young son of murdering Ian, as if this was a joke to him. And when I heard that, I began to look into this uncle's involvement in the case. And what I heard was even more terrifying. These people driving, flying, getting down to the Bay Area to help look for Ian would be encouraged by any human being. Charles, you have yeah. people you love in your life. If people voluntarily come to help you look for a missing loved one, you're going to hug them, off of the coffee, you're going to thank them profusely. The reaction from this uncle was the opposite calling these volunteers scumbag. I, 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 so many, you're not part of the family. You have no business here. You're not wanted. And this occurred when Tanya and the folks went to Elviso when Ian's body was found. This uncle spoke to the detective and, the tec- and told the detective, no other family members are to have any awareness or involvement in what's occurring. Tanya, maybe you can verbalize a little better what I'm trying to convey.
3: Yeah, so when they were um, at Elviso Bay uh, that Saturday when they found him um, and the detective shows up in the corner and all that, um, I think he was talking to people from Spokane on his phone, but I'm not really sure. I think he was getting directed and he walked up to the detective in the corner as they were going up to Chelsea to tell her what was going on, and he said, you all, you know, you need to talk to me. I'm the family. Um, You need to talk to me and only me first. And and then the other uh, members of the search party, you know, he can talk to Chelsea, he can talk to Chelsea, and then he said a derogatory, um, you can eat a bag of you know what, um, to the girls, to my family. Wow. So... It was so odd, the behavior. This is what we're talking, this is what we're focusing on, right, Michael? Christina, the behavior of some of the people around, I was blown away. I was literally mind blown because I couldn't believe how some people were acting, not the majority by, by no, and we went over that last week, you know, the heartbreak. No, certain people, and it's all in one circle. Now, you tell me that, you know, this is all a coincidence, this is just naturally how these people act in this family? I don't know because I don't know the family that well. But I it was it a reaction to their loss, their shock, their grief. I don't know, but that god that's an awful way to beat to people who are in the same situation. Why would you be hating on people like that? Why, why was my my family? Why always Chelsea? Why was Chelsea always their freaking target of their hate?
4: I have no idea. That's what I got to say on that. Yeah. Why, Christina? I got treated the what? same way by my mom and Donnie and and um, my uncle. They all told me no. Stay out of it. Don't say anything to anybody. Don't reach out for help.
2: What about the media or the police trying to talk to you? What was their response to that?
4: They told me do not say anything to anybody about the case. Do not give any information out. Um. I am. If I am to say anything, I am disowned. I am not part of the family to to say that or say anything. There
2: it is. There it is. She said it. So are you, you fearful
0: Charles? as well, Christine? Hmm. Are you fearful as well?
4: Yes. I'm scared that me or my sister may be next in their plot of trying to... God, I don't know.
0: And there are other family members who have reached out sharing some fear, as Michael's aware. And again, you, everyone speaking is, is speaking of things they know, things they experience. With the understanding that when you go through the mysteries around this case, when you go through the logic of what motive might be, what opportunity might have been, who may have been involved for what reason, there are certain family members right after things that happened for a period of time that, and, and it's already come up here, someone mentioned it, that there was a, uh, you know, well, you said it like, whether it was flippant or not, that, well, Chelsea and her son was would have been, single digits, (laughs) you know, uh, age at the time, uh, Mm -hmm. did this, which of course is bizarre because they were, there was nothing gained Chelsea and her sons lost everything when this happened. They lost to the, the, someone that was like a a father and uncle, you know, the mentor to them. She lost her best friend who had become her fiance. They lost the future that they were planning together and nothing was gained by Chelsea or her son through this happening, it became a tragedy that they will live with for the rest of their lives. And, and it says something to me that, that people would deflect in that way. It, it seems to fit a pattern of deflecting away from love, away from compassion, away from, uh, caring about what happened and wanting to get to the bottom of it. You shared it, Michael, you know, people make T-shirts, people make posters. You know, one of the cases that I uh, read about not too long ago and and then studied some other material about it, you know, the mother had been looking for almost 30 years. The the, the T-shirts and things were faded. She was still wearing them when people were able to, you know, that that was another case that was solved by people coming together by people working together to bring their talents to help solve a case. And and it's, again, it, it, there's a fine line, and everyone has shared actual facts, actual interactions, actual conversations. It may be, it, it, it seems likely as, as this investigation has unfolded that one or two individuals or people around those individuals on their behalf with or without their knowledge, is is something we can't speak to. But things do seem to point in a certain way. But with her, we we can't know for sure someone's heart motive, um, motivation at the time, or level of involvement. But we can also say when you follow certain actual facts and actual ways that people reacted and actual ways that people responded to your investigation, Michael and. Other things that have unfolded, there, it does, there, do certain, there are certain individuals that are the very least a real, a real person of interest, if not some degree of involvement in what happened. And the last thing, personally, I would want to do, and I think that's where everyone's been careful, too, is to say, you know, well, it's this person, this way, and that's it what the investigators want to, what Michael wants, what the family wants is to fill in these, fill in these voids, fill in these places where things don't make sense. And when you take away the things that don't make you put in the things that make sense and, and knock out the ones that don't make sense. it It, it is very much seeming to to point to Particular individuals or people around them and and you know Michael you've been doing this investigation you went through you you heard all the different rumors you know well, maybe you know the ridiculousness of maybe somehow Chelsea sitting in her seat with her boys did it you know like she wasn't even you know that and then where there as you have watched this unfold and you have seen both that motive, the opportunity um the wherewithal is anyone else other than the main suspects that you have found were there any other suspects that as you were going through that seemed to fit yeah or has it really come okay go ahead
2: no and, and i understand uh the question uh one of the approaches i took was the game occurred the day after veterans day in fact ian was quite excited that as a former military man they, he would be attending the game on such a holiday so one of the thoughts was perhaps he met one of these troop members whom he had spent time with and perhaps they're involved in some way in his disappearance. The problem is the actions of Ian that night, him purposefully walking and leaving the stadium, him again walking past a gauntlet of police to get to that parking lot across the street, walking five miles almost within 30 minutes in the parking lot. So, Taking these things to an advantage, you say, well, let's say, uh, again, we have to think motive. Ian is dead. Why? He wasn't in a fight. There were no marks of bruising or uh, gunshot or knife wounds or anything like that. But it was really Charles, the autopsy report, that was the key. This will be a document, again, that we could provide to those serious followers of the case. There were scratch marks diagonal on his wrists and ankles that were not there the previous day. We talked about Ian's skin being stained orange. When I called the coroner's office to review with their internal investigator, I had the report, which is open to the public, and she had the pictures of Ian's body. And this investigator for the medical examiner's office, told me on the phone, look at that. Look at the bruising on Ian's ankles. This was not something identified in the autopsy report. And you and I, in our understanding of these things, are beginning to put our own thoughts in mind and say, wait a minute. Someone was holding his ankles tightly. Something was gripping his, his, uh, his ankles and holding him in position. Again, that's where my logic goes. So it's reached the point now where we feel the medical examiner's review of Ian's case isn't enough. A true forensic pathologist with required medical experience is necessary to review Ian's case. Even without the body, the pictures tell an incredible story, and people with the proper experience can begin to identify these. Again, I don't believe that the orange staining of Ian's skin was insect predation. It doesn't make sense. There's no circulation of the body. I've never heard of anything like that. So it's issues like that which brought my uh, concern that following the results of the police and their accidental theory is falling apart. Uh, That if you begin to ask, who is this? Who is the individual? It's called victimology, the study of the victim and who's in their life and what circumstances are occurring. This is the same process that the police take when they follow up on cases like this. I spoke to a lawyer. They reviewed the case and then provided me a page, which is included in the second report. Charles, when convicted, anyone with involvement in Ian's homicide case are facing Seven felony charges, seven, for anyone with involvement in being involved in any way of cover-up of involvement of Ian's homicide. They will not be going to our local prisons, folks. There is a right. load here to bring against these people, and the one recommendation we can offer is turn yourself in. Turn yourself into the authorities, ask for immunity, make sure you're not part of the crew that's going to be facing these seven charges. These all coincide and come to the result of being executed yourself. Again, this is as real as it gets, folks. No one is uh, joking around here. These people have committed a very horrifying act. And Charles, the pain that you and I hear in Tanya's voice the the tears that Christina seems to cry daily. This is the reaction of people who miss a loved one. The people that I texted prior to this podcast, it's still in their messages, Charles. We miss him. We're scared. We want resolution. It's our responsibility, folks, to come together and to aid these people, simply because we would want the same aid If we were in their position, that's why you need to help step up. We know there are those of you out there who are scared. This is a very scary situation, but trust in the confidentiality of Charles and his crew.
0: And I, and I review them myself. There was someone who reached out and asked for some anonymity. I reached back and said, would they be willing to speak with you? They were um had they not i would have shared whatever mentioned information in they gave with, without sharing who they are you know in my life as a as a therapist therapist pastor i always uh am confidential with everyone that i work with there are times like this where i will reach out and you know like like i did to the one person and reached out and said okay i understand what you're saying are you willing to do this had they said no But here's the information I would have passed on the information. They said yes, as long as they could remain um, protected in some way. And then if we can work together as a group and I'm going to let everybody give uh, one last go here for what we're looking for. But when you if you're out there, if you've got time, if you've got that investigative mind, if you're the type that is like, okay, you know what? I've been watching about these sort of things and hearing about these sort of things. This is a veteran. He was loved. I want to find a way to help reach out. We—I'm uh, not sure what that will look like completely. That's being talked about. Maybe forming a private social media group. Maybe forming uh, some time when everybody gets together on Zoom between Michael and Tanya uh, and Christine. They will figure that out. What what fits best? Um, but if you reach out, we can make that make those connections. Michael has more information to give to those who are going to be serious with that information uh, and we can also maybe work with some of our technology people <laughs> to that knows technology to know how we might be able to share that in a in a in a controlled way as well but similar to what we did the first report um, those that might get again your mind body spirit your have some spiritual gifts and you get touched I, I know I've seen and things I've read and, and watched as well as I have personally known because of people I've worked with over the years who have been involved in different cases where sometimes someone like that has some pretty significant information that when they give it, it it helps complete a piece of the puzzle. It helps look in a way, just like in that when Ian was missing and a psychic said, you're looking the wrong place, you need to look over here. The space the psychic said to go look was the place he was found. So there's multiple ways that you can help them come together. And let's uh, let's start with you, Christina. What would you like to see with the people that reach out or who might be out there that can help?
4: If you know anything, absolutely anything. It could even be the way that you were treated, or interaction, or anything. Please. Anything helps, um even just sharing what this podcast or anything i I want to find out who did this completely.
1: Well I appreciate I you coming like
4: forward with. of course, I feel like Ian is with all of us in some form of way,
2: yep
0: and i will say this to people listening too Often, if you're afraid and then you step forward you you it, it you not only help solve the situation but many, many times you also once you step forward or once you're sharing your information with the investigators it then you are as much as it doesn't seem so you're taking yourself a little bit out of harm's way because now the information is already getting out there that maybe some individuals don't want to get out there and then if they do try to do something once you step forward that you know that that would just make them look that much more guilty whoever that is also if you really have those fears and you reach out and and you have information that Michael would know that he could take immediately to those cold case detectives and they you have information which could really close this case the you can get help they will help you they will provide you safety so there's if you if someone out there does and they do someone's overheard something someone's been told something directly Somebody may know way more than they wish they knew. Somebody may have even be the, you know, for all we know, the person who perpetrated this all is listening. And you live your life with this burden weighing on you every moment of every day, or you can end that by stepping forward. If you're someone that was involved in some way, even if even if your involvement was at the time you didn't put it all together but now you're putting it all together and you're going oh my gosh I can see it now and I was part of it and I didn't even realize it or I realized it to a point but I had no idea how deep it went step forward get it off your chest get it off your conscience and bring justice for Ian and Tanya anything you'd like to add about the people that we might want to reach out and be part of this, or what What would you like to add tonight or end with tonight?
3: Well, what I would like to end with is um, I would actually like to see some homicide detectives take a look at this. I believe it mm-hmm. can be from Spokane. he was a citizen here or anybody down there, either in the Santa Clara or the San Jose area, since he was found in San Jose. Um, they don't know where he accidentally drowned, so uh, it could be San Jose Homicide Detective instead of Santa Clara. And um, another thing, you know, I did learn something tonight that I didn't know before. Thank you, Christina. Um, so mm-hmm. that's important to hear that. And um, just another thought. I'm thinking about, you know, the coldness of the people who did this to him. And my kind of thought is, you know, when it comes to the game, me and Michael have discussed this. A lot of times is how did um, this just this planned murder happen in a most happenstance way in other words the point of separation for me and then the rest of the family wasn't planned wasn't going to be part of the murder plots plan right so what were they planning on doing because they didn't expect them to be separated, the family, but they ended up being separated. So this is where my way of thinking comes in. Uh, you got you got the spiritual intervention, and then you got the real-life evil out there. So you basically have good versus evil. I believe that in a weird kind of way, and this thought just came to me, and you guys know I think weird sometimes, but um, Ian was um, led away from the family to spare them. I have truly just thought yeah. of that tonight. That maybe the end result wouldn't have mattered if all four of them went into an accident coming home from the game. Wouldn't that have worked just as well? You know. um Yes. So did yes, something possibly. happen to Ian that made him go separate? Make them make them separate in order to. To save them from what was coming i don't know that's kind of where my my mind goes weird places on this whole situation you guys who know me know this but i think about everything um and i overthink shit too much but the people who are who are like that um don't understand where i'm coming from um charles i know you get it so
0: yeah and there's just multiple want, ways that that could happen with you know they could be. If he's at a game, there's a ninety percent chance he's going to go to the restroom. If not, a hundred. Also, there's they depending on who was involved and what criminal elements were involved or how they were planning it. They could have been watching throughout the weekend, waiting for that opportunity that was going to come at some point. When uh, also Michael had mentioned, you know, there, there's also been rumors that he might have stepped out of the game on purpose to uh talk to somebody for somebody like he'd been and and or when he stepped out in a certain way he was threatened and told if you say anything or do anything so there's and and part of it part of that right around the game is the biggest part of the mystery um i will certainly for me as i look at it you know as i there's, but there's also multiple ways that could have could have played out and especially if you had criminal elements that like Michael said, this isn't their first show. They they've done this before. They they get it, do it in such a way where they know they're going to get the uh, um, accidental dress, or oops, they drowned. And and they this is a well whoever whoever was involved, this was a well practiced and well rehearsed situation that they had done this before this just became the latest person for possible yes. motiva- motivations of money uh, to have that happen. Would you say so, Michael? We've got about three, four minutes left, so I'm going to give it to you, Michael, to wrap us up.
2: Thank you, Charles. Uh, Tanya, Christina, we feel mm-hmm. your loss. You were lucky to have a very special person in your lives. This is the beginning of a movement. This is good versus evil. There are strength in numbers, folks. They tried to silence a voice 2,023 years ago, and his voice rings every Sunday in church. Rats leave a sinking ship first. Those perpetrators who are listening to this show, you wait. Justice is coming for you. A blinding light. Relentless unforgiving you can silence my voice but the message is already out turn yourself in or run
0: and we got just about two minutes anything you want to add like the professionals we want some law enforcement we want some medical professionals we want some exactly armchair investigators
2: anything else mm-hmm. exactly Absolutely. And Tanya put it the best. There are people listening out there who can help. This is the opportunity. This is the way. This is where you can fulfill so much need for people. Whatever way you can do this, join this movement, because we will come to a resolution.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, all all of you, for contributing and, and And being part of it tonight, there is much love and compassion towards the family who has been dealing with this for these four years. And for all those members of the family that truly do want to get down and find the answers and find justice for Ian. All of you listening out there, treat this differently than a normal podcast. How can you help? If you're being touched, Michael was touched. To get involved he knows it he felt it something led him to bring justice i was touched when tanya reached out christina was touched to come and share what she knew other family members and people who know things have been sharing things with us through the email my friends allow yourself to become engaged allow yourself to think if you personally can't do something here that makes sense or you then you know someone that can for this family for justice for justice reempowers good night my friends